chapter 16 and verse 1, it says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might come and anoint him. It says, Early the next, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb. When the sun had risen, they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? For it was, although it was extremely large, they saw, the tone, they saw that the stone had been rolled away. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting to the right wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. And the next three words, it kind of rolls off the tongue for us this season. But I just want to draw your attention. This is the first time human ears ever heard this, these three words, he has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go, verse 7, tell his disciples and Peter, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. He said, tell his disciples and you tell Peter that He's going ahead of you to Galilee, so get to Galilee, for there you will see him, just as he told you. This passage of scripture is so powerful to me because it's the resurrection of Jesus. It tells the story, the account of, of how it came to be. Two women went to anoint the body of Jesus. They expected to see a body there, but whenever they got there, there had been a stone rolled away and they had an experience with an angel and they got those angels gave them a message. You know that God gives us a message. The resurrection gives you and I a message to tell others about what has happened in Jesus. To tell others about what has happened at the resurrection. What was the message? The message was this. Go tell the disciples. And it says the most curious thing after that. And Peter. I'm thinking all week. Why and Peter? What shouldn't have been like and Mary, my mother. Or and John. John was the one that on the cross Jesus said, hey, you take care of my mother. No, it wasn't go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell the disciples and John. Go tell the disciples and Mary. It was go tell the disciples and Peter that I want, that I'm resurrected. I'm going to Galilee and I want them to go there with me. So, so, so this kind of shows me there's something more to the story. There's, there's a backstory. If he would call out Peter specifically, that there has to be some kind of a backstory behind the story. Anybody ever, uh, anybody ever heard Paul Harvey, you know? The, the, the real story, behind the story. We're going we're gonna to look behind the story of what was happening this moment on Resurrection Sunday. And I want to turn to when Jesus met Peter. It's in your notes, Luke chapter 5 and verse 4. This is the moment where Peter and Jesus' relationship began. He says, he had finished speaking. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. 
And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. This is the first time that Jesus ever met Peter. The scene was so interesting because he had fished. They were, he was a fisherman. Peter was just an ordinary blue-collar fisherman. And he's going about his job. He's on the Sea of Galilee. He's doing what he does all the time, except he had been fishing all night and not caught a single thing. I don't know if we have any fishermen in the house, but you know... This, this guy not just was a fisherman, this was his work. He, he had done everything that he knew how to do, and it was not enough. And he was ready to quit. I want to draw your attention to that part of the story, that, that, that Peter had done what he could do, and Peter was ready to quit. And right at the moment when he was about to quit, Jesus says, Hey, why don't you cast your net on the other side? And I'm sure he thought, who are you to tell me? I'm the fisherman. What are you doing trying to tell me where I'm supposed to fish? I've fished all night. I've been left side. I've been the right side. I've been, what's that, the starboard. I've been to the bow. I've been everywhere that I know how to go. I'm the fisherman. What are you, some rabbi, some preacher? You're going to tell me how I'm supposed to do my business? You know, Peter was a hothead. You know, I'm sure he got mad at Jesus. He's like, well, fine. You know, why not? And he throws his net on the other side, and he gets more fish than he could ever imagine. And he just falls down. He's like, I am such, you know, I've been an idiot. Anybody ever identify with Peter? Jesus, I've been an idiot. <laughs> I was trying to do it my own way, and then I listened to your voice, and you told me to do it differently. And whenever I followed you, I did, you did more than I could have ever done on my own. And Jesus uses that whole illustration to say, hey, Peter, that's what I want to do with your life. That if you listen to me in the moments when you want to quit, and you'll just keep on listening to my voice even though you've caught nothing, that if you'll stay in there, if you'll stick with it, if you'll keep doing what I've called you to do despite the difficulty, if you'll just listen to my voice, trust me, Peter, you'll pull in. You'll do more than, than you could ever imagine with me than you ever would alone. You know, that's, that's how Peter's relationship began with Jesus. It was this moment where he was in awe. He left everything and said, I want to follow this guy. And from that moment, he became a friend and a follower of Jesus. He followed him around for, for nearly three and a half years. Peter followed Jesus wherever he would go. That's where he was. And, and, and wherever Jesus was going, Peter was going to follow right behind. He was a friend and a follower of Jesus. But, 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 but Peter had a problem. He had actually a lot of problems. And, and I want to draw your attention to simply this, that just because he was following after Jesus, just because he had had a personal encounter with Jesus, does not mean that Peter was perfect. Peter was actually far from perfect. 
I mean, very, very far from perfect. He, he just missed it all the time. You know, he was hot-headed. He was the one yelling, you know, whenever everybody else was quiet. He just was angry. He, 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 he over-promised and under-delivered. He, he had an attitude. You know, at the cru- before the crucifixion, you know, Jesus is going to be going to, the, you know, before the chief priest. And, man, this prophecy is being fulfilled. And Peter doesn't get it. Peter takes a sword. And he's like, God, chop your ear off, you know? And I know he wasn't aiming for the ear. He was not aiming for the ear. He wanted to take the guy's head off. I mean, he was, he, Peter was rough. I mean, he was rough around the edges. He, he just had issues. He was an angry dude. He, he missed it more than he hit it. But Jesus still included him despite all of the mistakes and despite all of the failures and despite his, his attitude problem and his anger issues. Jesus never one time threw him away. You see, Jesus never quits. That's the first thing I want to tell you today is that Jesus never quits. Jesus doesn't quit. Peter was in sometimes, and then he was out sometimes. Peter had issues sometimes. He was constantly making mistakes. Maybe you're here today, and you feel like, man, I'm here another Easter Sunday, and I just feel bad. I hadn't come like I should. And, you know, so many people, when they talk to me, they're like, you know, I'm sorry. I hadn't been there like I should, and I've been having, you know, it's been busy at the house, and all these things, like they have to apologize for me, to me, to, you know, like for them to come to church, and and. and and, and, you know, like I can identify with that. You know, I always tell well, I'm just glad you're here. You know, I'm a, there's no guilt and shame here. Like, I'm just glad you're taking a step toward God because you got to understand something. I believe this has been something that has plagued Christianity for way too long that we just expect because we follow Jesus that we're perfect. That, that other people that aren't, uh, maybe other people look at our lives and say, well, they are following Jesus. They should, you know, they just assume that we're perfect. And then we look at ourselves, and every time we make a mistake, we're just, we think, well, God can't use me. I'm a loser. I, I, I shouldn't have cut that person off in traffic and then given them the California uh, salute. And I shouldn't have, you know, written, you know I'm not even going to say anything from about that. But I'm sure we don't have anybody who has road rage in here on Easter Sunday, right? Nobody. But we just think every time we make a mistake, it's like, well, God's like, well, I'm done with you. I'm through with you. And, and, and you've got to understand something about God. God never assumes that you're going to be perfect. He never does. People may assume it. You may assume it about yourself. But it never surprises Jesus whenever you're imperfect. It never surprises him whenever you have an issue. It never does. Because here's what Jesus understands. That you can be saved in a moment. But you're transformed over a lifetime. You may be saved in a moment. I want to tell you, before we leave this place, you can cross from death to life. You can have a life completely changed, and you can have your eternity forever transformed. But understand this, your life is not the, 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 the product of a moment, but it's a lifetime of following after God. And Jesus doesn't quit. You know, I have a tendency of quitting on or, or, or not staying with things whenever people disappoint me. You know, if, if the same person says, hey, you want to go to lunch? And they stand me up. And next, hey, you want to go to lunch? Stand me up. Before long, I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to get lunch by myself this time. <laughs> because, I, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not about that. I, I'm, 
I, I, I do not stay in relationships that just continually, continually uh, don't do what they said they were going to do. And, and when I moved to Knoxville, we, our family moved here a little over two years ago, and I found out there was this, this special thing, this conversation that was consistently happening in our city all the time. And it, it, it's, it, it's, it's not just in the fall. It's all year long, and it centers around the Tennessee Vols, the the. the, the our, our, our football team. And, and when I moved here, we moved here in January, and, and the conversation in January was this. This is our year. I mean, do you remember 98? We got 22 freshmen. Butch, is, he's got it brick by brick. We, we were in T-shirts. And then it's just like the, it just builds from that moment on all year long. And then the weather breaks. I mean, I can feel it in the air today. And I was like, football's on the way. Football is on the way. We got the orange and white game. I mean, we are ready to go. I mean, don't mess with us. Don't me- like we are ready. And, and people are listening. We're here on the radio. It's is our year. It's going. And I remember last year being so excited. It's our year. I mean, I was telling friends. They thought you don't even know. like. They were telling me about their team, and I said I don't even care. You don't know about our team. You don't know what's going on. And I got hats and shirts. I'm spending way too much money at alumni hall, and you know people are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There you go. And in the fall, and it's just awesome. People are telling, oh, it's a spiritual experience. It's powerful. You know, all the, everyone's cheering. And it's, this is our year. And then about the middle of the season, a couple games in, the conversation starts shifting. Well, it was the refs. They're not, the refs aren't treating us right. You know, we're better than this. Somebody fire Butch, you know, fire the coach. You know, and, it, it, you know, and at the end of the season... It starts going to, well, next year. <laughs> next year. You see, whatever the team can disappoint us along the way at times. But, you know, this year is our year, by the way. I mean, it's, I'm, I, we're all in. But, it, but here's the thing about God you got to understand. There are some people that are fair weather fans, bandwagon fans, when the team's doing good, man, they're, they're buying the clothes. You know, they're, when it's, they're t- when it's a, t- a team in the Super Bowl, they don't even know what the team is. They don't know anything about it, but they're doing good. They're going to go to Walmart. They're going to buy the jersey and the hat, and they're going to show up to the Super Bowl party like they are a fan. But they're not. They're just a fair-weather fan. They're following the bandwagon, and when another team does better, they're going to buy another hat, another shirt, and they're going to use that old shirt to mow the yard. They're not going to worry about that anymore because they're not a true fan. They're not going to wear it whenever the team's not doing good. I want to tell you something about God, that God, he's wearing your hat even when you're doing bad. He's wearing your jersey even whenever your season, whenever you, turn, you took a win and you turned it into a loss, and you made some bad calls along the way, and you made some mistakes I want you to know that Jesus doesn't quit on you Jesus doesn't quit on you maybe you're here today and you feel like you've turned some wins in your life to losses and you made some mistakes and you're like I don't know I want you to know Jesus doesn't quit on you he's still on your team even whenever your team's not doing so good he is in your corner he's believing in you it's not something you may be down but you're not out you 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 may be doing dealing with difficulty right now you may be in a moment of darkness in your life but 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 he's trying to tell you through the cross and through the resurrection that he loves you Peter like he loves you 
Philippians 6, 1, 6 says, I am certain that God who began the good work within me will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. I want you to know that God's still working on you. I love this song. When I was in Sunday school, we used to sing this song. He's still working on me. I don't know if you ever heard that. He's still working on me to make, I'm not about to sing, to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon, the stars, sun, earth, Jupiter, and Mars. I don't know that part. How loving and patient he must be. Watch this. He's still working on me. Man, my Sunday school teacher would be so upset right now. (laughs) That's why I don't teach City Hills kids. But I want you to know, he's still working on you. You may have given up on yourself, but Hebrews 13, 5 says, God says, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Even whenever other people abandon you. Maybe you've been abandoned by some people that should have loved you. Maybe you've been abandoned by some people along the way. I want you to know that Psalm 27, 10 says, For my father and mother, when they've forsaken me, the Lord will take me in. In other words, when everybody else, the people closest to you, should have held you up, that we serve a God who never quit. It's on us. He never gives up on us. It's never something that he's amazed by. It's never something that it's never your failures and your problems are not something that he gives up on you for. So fast forward in Peter's story a little bit. So 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 a couple days, three days before um, th- this day in the story, whenever Jesus is about to be crucified, you know he, Jesus is telling them what's about to happen, and he says this. He says. Hey, I'm about to, you know, I'm about to go and I'm about to fulfill righteousness. And he's telling the disciples what he's about to do. They're going to come get me. And Peter says, everybody else may leave you, but I will never leave you. Like, I'm the ultimate disciple. I am awesome. I'm the amazing one. And I always wonder, what do the other 11 guys think about this guy, you know? They're like, what are you telling? Like, what, what are we? You know, what are we back here? Peter said, all these other losers, they may leave you, but I'll never leave you. I'm awesome. I'm amazing. And you know what Jesus says to Peter? He says, before the day's up, you're going to deny me three times. <laughs> See, Jesus already knew Peter was going to fail. Jesus already knew that Peter was going to make a mistake. But his failures and your failures do not stop the love of God. Understand this. Your failures do not phase Jesus. So many times I count myself out of my own destiny because of my failures. I think, God, I'm so, I cannot do what you call me to do. I'm I'm not equipped for this. I'm not going to be, I'm not a good dad. I'm not a, like I'm all these things that I have struggled with. And I, and, and I just feel like I'm sometimes just full of struggles. And I'm thinking, God, I just, how am I ever going to do what you've called me to do? And I just felt the voice of God all week long saying, Brandon, I knew about your difficulties before I even called you to do what I called you to do. Don't. Be discouraged and don't give up. Your failures don't phase Jesus. 
So, so imagine the story with me. They, you know, Jesus dies. He rose again. He tells Mary, Mary, he tells Mary, Mary to go and to tell the disciples and Peter. And could you imagine the scene? They go and, and they're running. They're excited about the resurrection. They're excited about all the things that they had seen and heard. And they go to this dark room where all these disciples are huddled together, you know, just a somber, dark moment. And Peter's in the corner because he's like the worst of them all. He said he was going to be amazing. They're probably given, you know... They're, they're probably just upset at him, and he's just in the corner. And the Mary Mary walk in, and they say, hey, 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 he's alive. He's risen. We saw an angel, and here's all the, the angel said, that he's alive, and we're supposed to go to Galilee. And he told me to tell all of you this, and Peter. And Peter, just in a moment, does he care? You, you, you mean what I did? You mean he still loves me? You mean he still has a purpose for my life? You mean he still has a plan for me? And I'm sure in that moment he's full of hope. Because Jesus understood that there was something that was going to happen in Galilee. If he could just get Peter from this place of despondency and despair about his own failures and his own problems and his own difficulties, if he could ever get Peter to stand up and go to Galilee, that he wanted to show himself to him there like never before. So Peter gets up with hope and goes to Galilee to look for Jesus. And you know what? He doesn't find Jesus. You ever tried to look? You ever been hopeful about something? And you've been hopeful about something and you just don't see? Like you, you thought it was going to happen one way and it didn't happen. And that's, that's exactly what happened to Peter along this journey. And, and Peter goes to Galilee and he's expecting to see the resurrected Jesus. And I'm sure he's thinking that the, the two Marys are just lying to him and the hope was lost. And he says in John 21, 3, it's in your notes. He says, I'm going to fish. This is the first time that Jesus goes, I mean, this is the first time that we see Peter going back to his old life. It's like he's forgotten all the things that Jesus had done in his life. And he's like, you know, it's over. Simon Peter told them and he said, then we'll go with you. So they went out and got into their boat. But that night, look at this with me. They did what? Caught nothing. Sound familiar? Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but his disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. Watch what Jesus says. Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Sound like deja vu in the Bible? Then the disciples who, who Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and he jumped off into the water. It's like it all clicked for Peter in that moment. You see, we read at the beginning of his story, he was ready to quit. He had been fishing all night. He had not caught anything. Then he failed Jesus, and after the resurrection, he goes back to the same old life. 
He, he fishes, he fishes all night long. He catches nothing in the same boat, in the same water, in the, in the same Jesus on the same shore calls to him again and says, Hey, caught any fish lately? No, we haven't caught anything. We fished all night and we're ready to quit. And that same Jesus on the same shore speaks to the same disciple on that same water and says, Hey, well, why don't you cast your net on the other side? And something clicks in Peter's heart and says, Whoa, that's that same voice that I heard years ago calling me out of my old life. I feel like I'm having deja vu again. And he, when he has that moment and realizes what it is, he just dives in the water and goes and worships at the feet of Jesus. Because Jesus was trying to say, Peter, nothing has changed about how I feel about you. That even in the worst circumstance of your life, even when you feel like you failed me, understand this, that my grace is still sufficient. And Jesus orchestrated this whole moment for Peter so that he could be on the same boat, on the same water, hear the same voice from the same shore to let him know, Peter, you may have failed, but I will never fail. Peter, you may have made mistakes, but understand this, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Your problems, your failures do not faze me. My grace is still sufficient for you. You see, you may have, it's not okay It's not over when you mess up as long as you don't give up. That's what I wanted to say today. It's not over when you mess up as long as you don't give up. You see, because this was not the end of Peter's life. This was only the beginning. Peter would go on to become the chief apostle. He would write books of the Bible. There's books of the Bible named after this guy. He would start churches. To this day, his leadership has inspired millions and millions and millions of people. But perhaps the greatest message of the life of Peter is the story of his own resilience. The fact that whenever he made a mistake, he didn't let that mistake be final in his life. But he kept on trusting after God. Maybe you're in a season of your life where you feel like you're not happy about where you are or what's going on. I want you to know that God is still here and he still loves you and he still cares about you right where you are. And if you'll listen to his voice and if you'll not quit, if you'll just obey what he tells you to do, even when you don't understand it, then God will do more with your life than you could ever imagine. Because what Jesus was trying to do... and He was trying to transition Peter to someone that just believed in Jesus. To someone that believed on Jesus. You see, before the crucifixion, the resurrection, Peter believed in Jesus. He had the knowledge of who Jesus was. He saw it firsthand. But after that resurrection moment, after Jesus came back to him again, he he changed. And he began to believe on Jesus. Jesus because that's what matters more than anything else if I could illustrate this in this way there's a in the early 1800s there was a man uh, named Charles Blunden he was a French man that loved to uh, do the tightrope and he came to America and just 
was a wonder. He, he tightroped over cities and buildings and and he also, uh, but his, his main deal was he would tightrope over Niagara Falls. I think I have a picture of, of Charles Blunden. He would, he would tightrope over Niagara Falls, which is not something I'd be interested in doing. But he just kept doing more and more and more. And the thing about this is that to attract more followers, he had to keep doing things more and more extravagant. So, so people knew he could do it. So at one day, he, he wanted to really do something he'd never done before. And he said, hey, hey, hey. I'm going to go across Niagara Falls on my tightrope. I'm going to do it differently this time. How many think I can do it with somebody on my back? Whole crowd, yeah, you can do it. And then he says, hey, who wants to be the volunteer that gets on my back? <laughs> no volunteers. See, guys, that's the difference between believing, on, believing in and believing on. And that's what I want to challenge somebody in this place to do today. Don't just believe in Jesus. We live in the Bible Belt. There's not too many people that don't just believe in Jesus. But that's not what changes you, Peter. That's not what changes your life. That's not what Easter's all about so we can just come and believe in it again. But that we would have an experience with God that we would believe on and we say, God, I'm going all in. I'm jumping off in whatever you want to do with my life. Because Peter ended up being crucified upside down for Jesus. He said, I will not be crucified like my Lord. I'm not worthy about it. And they crucified him upside down. And here's the difference between believing in and believing on. All of Peter's life, he lived with his head above his heart. But the moment whenever he sacrificed his life as a martyr for the gospel, he said, turn me upside down. And Peter may have lived a lot of his life with his head above his heart, but he died with his heart higher than his head. He died saying, God, I'm going to trust you. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand it all, but I know you're going to do great things. I'll give it to you. 